Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Season greetings. Seasonal salutations. Well, it is Christmas time at thehempjar.com, and it's that time of year where the hemp jar has a 25% off sale site wide. You heard it right. 25% off every item in the store, and it is happening the whole month of December. Hemp chocolate. Hemp cocoa. Hemp coffee. Hemp cream. And hemp paste. In all shapes, forms, and sizes, however much or little you want to get, it is all 25% off. It's really great for stocking stuffers. Or even under the tree. Hashtag hemp under the tree. Just use coupon code 25OFF at checkout. And Merry Christmas. Hello, 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 everybody. This is David. I have Rachel here with me, and that makes this cannabinerds. How you doing, Rachel? I'm doing great. We have a wonderful surprise for you. Oh, what is it? And for everybody listening today, we actually have Kit O'Connell here today with us. As a cannab, he's a cannabinerd for the day. Yeah. He's a cannabinoid in life, I think. He's a cannabinoid in life, yes, I guess. Thank you. I, he, Thank you. <laughs> he trumps all of the other cannabinoids. He actually is the editor-in-chief with Ministry of Hemp. Um, he is, Anuel with Ministry of Hemp, is America's leading advocate for hemp, which is just incredible. If you haven't got around to go see ministryofhemp.com, I'd highly recommend it. I go to their website constantly for just news and what's up currently. Uh, but more back to Kit. He's a gonzo journalist from Texas. Kit. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was going over uh, gonzo journalist. What Can you tell me what that means? I have an idea, but I would like to get it straight from the gonzo's mouth. <laughs> sure. Of course, the term was coined by uh, Hunter Thompson, the, the you know sort of prototypical gonzo journalist. Uh, I... I uh, for me, what it means is that I do not necessarily practice neutral journalism. <clears throat> I do try to, you know, obviously follow all the other ethics of journalism in terms of, you know, being truthful about what I say, but I don't pretend to not have an opinion on things. For me, I feel like personally, it's more upfront for me just to be direct about the things I believe in. You know, I'm not, you know, cannabis is a great example. I'm not going to pretend to be neutral towards cannabis legalization. I believe in legalizing or even deregulating the plant. So I don't, you know, pretend that that's something I'm neutral about. Um, and so that's kind of, for me, gonzo journalism is being upfront about my biases rather than pretending that I don't have any. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's that's a good perspective to go about it, for sure. I, I, you do see a lot of uh, people not trying to be too far to the left or too far to the right. I mean, it's less and less these days, but to have someone that's just like, this is what it is, this is what I believe, these are the facts, this is what I believe. And unapologetic about it, that's I, awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, what's one fascinating thing about you that not many people would know? Uh, let's see, uh, that's, a, that's a good one. You told me you were gonna ask me that, and I thought <laughs> of a few different things. Uh, <laughs> I was born with a full head of hair. That's pretty weird. So, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I was raised to be an activist. One of the first photos of me is my mother holding me at an anti-death penalty protest that made it into the local paper where I was born in Connecticut. So I feel like I was, you know, my, my biases that I was talking about, you know, uh, I guess were instilled in me for, from a young age to believe in, you know, justice and equality and things like that. So oh, that's cool. It's in your blood. <laughs> it's in my blood. Uh, and as far as like the topic of this show goes, you know, I actually like I hung out with the stoners a lot in high school, but I didn't really actually smoke pot until kind of my mid twenties, didn't really try it until I was 20. Um, so I always liked sort of being around people that were high, but it took me a while to discover how it would benefit me. <laughs> that's, that's quite fascinating. I can relate a little bit of that to myself. You were in Connecticut. So when did you move to Texas? <laughs> I moved to Texas uh, in like 1998, I think I moved to Austin. I've spent most of my time down here in Austin about the last 20 some years. I spent a little time in other parts of Texas, including, uh, Houston and kind of around where Texas A&M university is and what's called college station, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, I spent a little time in other parts of Texas. I've mostly been in Austin. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I met somebody on the internet. It was an internet romance. It did not last very long, but, uh, I was in Austin and I was very happy to be here and and have stuck around pretty much ever since. What I find fascinating is that the editor-in-chief of Ministry of Hemp uh, is in a state where the cannabis industry is in a total flux. And correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I read, we're in Colorado, you're in Texas. Mm -hmm. And Texas can't really tell or get their facts straight about cannabis as far as the legalization and hemp, marijuana, all that stuff. Can you enlighten me a little bit about that or just all of us really? Sure. Yeah. So as far as what Texas has going on, uh, we just within the last few months legalized uh, hemp here kind of following on with the national legalization under the 2018 farm bill. So Texas kind of decided to go ahead and legalize that uh, following along with the the national definition. So hemp, of course, is below 0.3% THC, very, mm-hmm. very little. Uh, and Texas actually was relatively progressive in that form in that they legalized that people aren't going to be allowed to grow hemp until next year when the, when the spring growing season starts. Oh, but, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, people were a little disappointed because, of course, Texas has a real long growing season, and, and it could have really been grown this fall. Uh, and we could have gotten a, a small crop then, but but it's going to start up next year. And one of the things that's surprising is they actually legalized smoking hemp flower here. Really? Uh, smoking, possessing, selling through a weird loophole. You can't, like, if you want to sell pre-rolled hemp cigarettes here, mm-hmm. they have to be manufactured out of state. So you could grow the hemp here ship it to Arizona where somebody rolls it up and then they ship it on back. That's the only thing they said no to. A very weird little loophole. Yeah. As far as... It doesn't really <laughs> seem economical, but... <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and hopefully they'll, they'll straighten that out pretty quick because that's a weird little gap. But uh, as far as actual psychoactive cannabis, as far as marijuana goes, um, it's still basically illegal here. There's a very, very tiny and ineffectual medical marijuana program here. Basically, all it does is a, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would guess about a thousand or even less patients can access it in the whole state. It's really only for people with extremely severe epilepsy. And what it allows them to do is access uh, a CBD tincture that's grown from marijuana. 
Um, so it might be, I don't know what the measurements are. It might even be like a one-to-one CBD THC. I'm actually not sure of that. Okay. That's it's interesting. Basically just a, yeah, it's weird. It's just a CBD tincture. Almost nobody can access it. But on the other hand, there are marijuana plants growing legally in Texas, which is something that a lot of people never thought would happen. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm droning on here. But there's one other thing I always like to need to bring up with Texas politics is that our government only meets about five months every two years, oh. uh, the state government. So, <laughs> so things go pretty slower than normal government. That's exactly right. <laughs> Obviously, there's like, you know, uh, you know, people are meeting to set policy or whatever during other parts of the year. But as far as legal changes, we're going to be waiting until, you know, next year to have even a chance at progress at this. Now, there has in those last every other year sessions, there's been real slow progress towards broader legalization, I would say it's somewhat similar to what you see at the federal level where there's sort of bills that have like made it out of committee but haven't really made it further than that. So it's very, very cautious progress. There is definitely a movement to legalize it here. There's a lot of people working on that. Uh, baby it's, steps. It's, it's baby steps. It's very slow. Uh, there is a real booming hemp industry growing up here in Austin. Um uh, that's really exciting to see, uh, but it is obviously it's you know we're still in this limited stage where we just have access to. I want to go back to that. You said something about uh, uh, a CBD product derived from marijuana. That's interesting because my understanding of the farm bill, you any CBD product derived from marijuana is illegal federally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is. It is probably technically a federally illegal product, just like the stuff that's being sold up where you are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they they did make the choice to open that door, which you know our that's I think it huge. Was our pre- it's it is huge. And I want to say our previous. It's, I don't think it was this governor, but our our previous governor Rick Perry was. He said it would never ever in a million years happen here. And so you know that door is open. There is actually this theoretically federally law-breaking product being distributed in Texas of all places. So that is a really cool step in the right direction. Obviously, we'd like to see that get dramatically expanded in the near future. Yeah, obviously, just hearing you talk now and from what I've read, too, you obviously know your stuff about cannabis and specifically Texas and federally and all that stuff. How long have you actually been involved in the cannabis industry or being a journalist for the cannabis industry? So as far as it being like my day job, that started in roughly uh, 2017, around the beginning of that year. Okay. Um, uh, I've been interested in this topic and, and reported on it just as a journalist covering social justice issues for a long time, you know, mostly from the war on drugs perspective and the inequalities and unfairness of that. Uh, but as far as, you know, full time, uh, I was doing some other journalistic work that came to an end around the beginning of 2017, and I had been chatting with the publisher of Ministry of Hemp, and I got to know him a little bit, and I'd written about how Ministry of Hemp had trouble, just like all the hemp and cannabis businesses, they have trouble accessing like social media advertising, yeah. and yeah. Uh, other aspects of like the online culture are closed to them as far as, you know, advertising in particular, but banking, credit card processing oh is difficult, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell to me about hemp. that. It is, it's a nightmare, even right now. <laughs> it is. It's slowly getting better. Like we've got, we're part of that Square Beta, so that helps us a little bit. Okay. Uh, with what we do, but it's it's really yeah, again baby steps there too. So I'd written an article that kind of talked about both hemp, the hemp side of that, and also had talked to some uh, cannabis businesses at 
uh, South by 2016 sometime. And that's how I met the people involved with Ministry of Hemp. And I came on board, and as I lost my other job, I started doing more and more work there. And kind of together, we've turned it into this real media outlet that it is today. So it's it's exciting, and it's fun being there aren't too many just hemp journalists out there, so it's fun being part of a, a small club. <laughs> so what's one thing that you learned, uh, basically, you said 2017 is when you really got going full time. So one thing, what's one thing that you learned about cannabis in general that motivates and inspires you to keep going forward? What's well, one, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, uh, but uh, you know, a big one for me, just being real personal, is that I have uh, fibromyalgia. And so that's a chronic pain condition that it's not well understood. The exact causes are basically not mm-hmm. known. There's some, there's mm-hmm. some theories, um, <laughs> but it's essentially a chronic pain condition uh, that, that sort of focuses on the, the muscles and the connective tissue. It's a bit like arthritis, but not so much in the joints as, as in the muscles. Uh, and so it's, it's extremely painful, but c- cannabis derived products, whether that's THC or CBD, they both seem to help quite a lot. And so that's really what brought me to it is this personal quest uh, to make sure that this medicine is accessible to everybody. Um, Of course, since getting involved with Ministry of Hemp, I've learned about all these other things like hempcrete, for example, the building material. There's Mm -hmm. so many cool uses for this plant that really even opened my eyes about what could be done with it. And even the medical side of things, you know, we did an article about there's some scientific evidence that CBD can help people with schizophrenia. And that's just one example of something that I never would have thought of, but there it is. There is this evidence that it could be a benefit. And it, it's just so, it's so amazing that every time I turn around, I feel like I'm learning something new that even I didn't know about this. Oh yeah, exactly. That's, that's how it's been for us. We've every single step of the way, I'm like, you know, I thought I've known all these things and then I'm just blown away by all the things this plant can do. It's really cool. But uh, at the same time, I, I actually went through a lot of, you know, constant pain in joints and not just joints, but the doctors were, they just kept throwing fibromyalgia out to me. And so that's why I ended up getting my red card here um, was to just help with the nerve pain that I was experiencing. So I, I definitely understand that. And I agree this, I feel like the high CBD and also even just THC. I figure I wonder one ratio is pretty good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, yeah. When I can access that, that's definitely a, a good ratio is the one to one or the high CBD products are really, they, they can be really beneficial. I like that a lot. And I love seeing all the, there's so much great hemp flour out there now uh, that that's available. That, oh my gosh. It's great. exploding everywhere. It's almost, <laughs> it really I, is. Yeah. Do you have um, CBD tinctures or anything in gas stations in Texas? <laughs> yes, there are. There are gas station stuff <laughs> here. Oh my uh, gosh. What do you think about that? I just, <laughs> <laughs> I have my uh, freaks own. me out a little. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, my, you know, my spouse recently saw that there's a near near our house. There's a uh, snow cone truck, and they are selling CBD. So that's how <laughs> ridiculous it's gotten. Um, I, I mean, I don't like that side of it. You know, right. the, the, I've, I've seen that. There's that meme, of course, with the the cat and the Real Housewife. And the real housewife is going, you said CBD would help me. And then the salad cat smudge is going, but you bought it at a gas station. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of sums it up for me. It's like, you know, uh, I saw there was a study recently that Forbes published, but it was done by like a grocery uh, grocery store Mm -hmm. network or something. But they did a survey that showed that the majority of Americans 
Americans think that CBD is regulated by the FDA. And so there's just so much misinformation out there and people really think that they can buy a CBD product anywhere and know what they're getting. Yeah, like Groupon. Of course, as we know, that's... Yeah, like Groupon. (laughs) That scares me too. (laughs) We we saw uh, yesterday, we found a listing on Bed Bath & Beyond for a CBD-infused pillow. Oh my gosh. The most ridiculous product I've seen. I think it tops out the CBD deodorant for me. Is the ridiculous product I've, <laughs> I've heard about the deodorant too. That's interesting. Okay, what are your thoughts on the FDA? I, I, I know this industry is screaming for regulation, but we can see time and time again with political, whatever your beliefs are, when the government puts its nose into something, there's good things and there's bad things. What do you think about that with cannabis and the FDA getting involved with that. It is interesting. This this industry, like a lot of industries, try to avoid regulation for as long as possible. We see so many of those tech companies that are based around sort of disrupting and then trying to stay ahead of the regulation mm-hmm. versus CBD, where they're trying really hard to be regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I mean, the basics for people who don't know, yes, F- the FDA is not actually regulating CBD right now. Correct. The, far- the farm bill kind of kicked the ball over to them away from the DEA, at least theoretically, <laughs> to the FDA. Mm-hmm. And now, now we're just waiting to see what they're going to do. Now they have issued some directives. They've come down on some of the really bad actors in the field, which I don't have a problem with on the whole. You know, if you're out there claiming that CBD is going to cure cancer, then you should, you know, go screw yourself. You know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Just don't do that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so beneficial. I love how it helps me. But even for myself, it's like neither THC nor CBD cure my fibromyalgia. They help a lot. They, they, they enable me to live a much better and fuller life, but it's still there. And, okay. and so that's, say, that's true for most people and most things, you know? And, and so I get really frustrated with that. I'm glad the FDA comes down on those people. But by only kind of coming down on the bad actors, it does kind of leave this uncertainty around the industry and for people. And it causes that confusion. People think that it's being regulated when it isn't. They're just telling people not to make health claims. Mm-hmm. We have also seen recently this pretty lengthy sort of safety directive that the FDA put out. And... It's a little weird. It says there's some potential health risks to CBD that most people don't really think are there. Um, I'm, I'm definitely working on a piece about this right now because it's it's it is a little strange. They even I think suggested CBD could cause like re- reproductive dysfunction, which is pretty bizarre. I don't know anyone who's recorded I, I, that. Well, yeah, there that was that could be correlated to THC too, where, you know, males can have a low sperm count or whatever. There's articles and some research into that. I did not know about that, about CBD though. So that's interesting. That, yeah. And I'm not that's sure the research, I, I think the research just isn't there and that's really what the FDA is saying. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of experts recently and, uh, I think really what the FDA is saying is, you know, prove to us that this is safe. And something to keep in mind, this was something that uh, Joy Beckerman over at the Hemp Industries Association emphasized to me recently is like, you know, when we passed all this, there were all those state level bills about CBD and the farm bill. And one of the big influences for that were all these really heart wrenching and and moving stories about kids with epilepsy. That's kind of how we have this medical program in Texas is the same thing. They brought these kids into the state houses and said, look at these kids, aren't they adorable and they're sick and this can help them. And Mm -hmm. that's all true. I'm glad that they did that. But the thing is the FDA doesn't care about that. That's not something that the FDA, they're not influenced by that. They want to see hard research and they want to see a lot of it 
and they want to see it in the form that they want that 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 fits their very specific criteria. It's very black and, and white for them. It is, yeah, and it's very expensive too. It's not something that can easily necessarily be produced now. On the other hand, there is a lot of money in the CBD industry. It's probably going to be a billion-dollar industry in this year. Yeah, uh, and and so so there's a lot of, of of power behind that money to push for a path forward from the FDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure, not just from the industry, but also from some legislators in Congress to make things happen. So I think eventually we're going to see the FDA make a path for hemp-based CBD products. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the complication of the fact that there's a, there's medication. There's one drug, Epidiolex, that is like a prescription CBD medication, mm-hmm. and there's others that are potentially in the works, and that complicates things. But we do have other examples. Uh, one that was pointed out to me, of course, is caffeine. Right, that's something that you know they use caffeine in the ER, but we can still go buy very high doses of caffeine at the cafe. And there's nobody, you know, stopping us from getting our double espresso or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. so I got to stop myself. This path. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they say that journalists are like the worst abusers of coffee in the, in any industry. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm there with you. I believe it. <laughs> so I think there will be a path forward. It's just going to be a matter of time to see how it turns out. And I expect, I think it's safe to expect that the first round from the FDA is not going to look like what we want. And it will probably have to push back and, the industry is going to have to go through some levels of negotiation, I bet, to get where to a healthy place around this. Um, ideally, we're just going to see in the next few years, you know, federal legalization of all forms of cannabis. Yes. And, and that'll hopefully ease the way for all of this. But we'll see. That remains to be seen, of course. Yeah, 2020 looks a little promising. <laughs> More promising than, than we've seen in a long time. Yeah. yeah. I was curious you know, as we're doing this podcast and everything, you know, we've come into certain roadblocks, like you had mentioned earlier with, you know, advertising and things like that on social media and stuff. So what are some of the roadblocks that you currently see while you're reporting on hemp and cannabis and stuff as far as stigma, uh, stigmas that are out there? Farm to shelf, uh, consumers, legislation, any of it. What are, what are some major roadblocks that you see? So, I mean, yeah, the social media is still one. And that's a, that's a very strange area because I've recently started seeing a lot of ads on Facebook for CBD brands. But I'm still – I'm actually banned from using the Facebook ad platform. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I heard – they may have gotten it lifted, but I heard that uh, over the fall that Dr. Bronner's had actually been banned from Facebook ads. Really? And Cause for, their association, yeah. for their association with hemp, exactly. And it's the most wholesome company probably on this planet right? as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Our house is full of and it. They so. were, uh, yeah, mine too. Everybody has a ton of it. You got it in your shower. You yep. got it probably by the sink, whatever. Yes. Everybody loves Dr. Bronner's. Mm-hmm. And they're just a really responsible company too. Very green company also. I uh, love their soap. It's great soap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so they even they've been banned from that. So that's something that's got to get fixed. And it's, it's so inconsistent right now that it, that makes it even more frustrating. It's like, I can't even, you know, one of the, I remember one of the ads that we got turned down around the time that I was banned from advertising on Facebook is our video producer did a video about how to make your own hemp milk. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that. Even, it's great. It, thank you. Yeah. It's like, she did a great job on the video. It's real simple and straightforward. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's easy, but it's just ridiculous. Like I can go to my grocery store here in Texas and there's like three different brands of hemp milk. But when I try to advertise that recipe on you know, on Facebook, they treat me like I'm, I don't know, selling crack or something. Yeah. 
that's an, I've so, managed to get a few through, but uh, you know, most of the time they they say no, you can't do it. But then I just go ahead and be like, well, you did it last time, so do it this time. <laughs> and that's that's what we did for for quite a while. We would have like every other ad roughly would get you know bounce back to us mm-hmm. eventually they just kicked me off the platform entirely after enough of that so oh, wow <laughs> yeah so we'll see what happens I, I i'm hoping that that fixes it looks like banking might be finally starting to, yes. to lighten up a little bit oh yes uh, the, the credit card field is getting better i think that's good uh, uh we've got to sort out you know this whole transport issue and yeah, like in Idaho, where that truck got stopped and all that stuff seized, and it's still kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, that's definitely one. There's also, we were talking about hemp flower before, and that's obviously causing various issues in various places as cops try to handle, how do I handle the substance that's legal but looks like a substance that is yeah. illegal? And they realistically... Have, um, I, I saw... Um, I think it was Virginia. I might get it wrong, the state. But they actually have a test where they can distinguish the amount of THC. So the, I think it's Virginia. The whole entire state was law enforcement was issued with these um, drug tests, not drug tests, but field tests that distinguish hemp or marijuana. So I think that was a very positive step in, in that I, direction. I think so, but I'm also concerned with the ability of police officers to basically do chemistry in the field. So that's (laughs) me me a little contrarian here, but I think that that, like, that is the obvious step from a legalistic perspective, but I don't know how we'll have to, it remains to be seen how effective that is. I'm I'm dubious. Um, So a real roadblock for me, something that really concerns me is that 2018 Farm Bill, it legalized hemp, but it has this felony ban in it. And what the felony ban says, and we help put pressure on it. The original version of the ban that they were considering would have banned anyone with a drug felony from being involved in the hemp industry oh, okay. and specifically a drug felony. So you could murder somebody and still grow hemp. Oh my but if goodness. you have that, if you have that cannabis possession or dealing felony or growing or whatever it was, you were going to be out of the industry. And under that version that even could have kicked out people that were already involved in the industry because of all the research and sales that opened up after the 2014 farm bill it's like upside down world (laughs) it was yeah so people who are already established were looking at getting kicked out of the industry but that was softened a little bit so in the final version the way it works is if you're already involved in an industry that was legal under the 2014 farm bill you can continue to be involved and there's this 10-year limit where if your drug felony is over 10 years old you can still be involved in the industry. And it, it probably only applies to like the producer, whoever's name is on the license or the lease or whatever. So you can have workers that have these, you know, charges, but you can't be the person in charge. But it's, this to me is a real problem for some people. There's no other crop out there that's treated this way. And of course, if we look at drug arrests, felony drug arrests in particular, we know statistically that time and again that black people and other people of color are the most singled out for felony drug arrests, even though drug usage is pretty much the same across all races. Yes. So this is a serious problem. Um, I really want to see that overturned. I think it's ridiculous that it's in there. And we need to build like this equitable industry as we're legalizing this plan. And that's a huge roadblock to the industry being equitable. Uh, it's even worse in some places. Uh, Louisiana actually added in their state-level legalization, they added a thing where not only is the felony there, but if you have a drug misdemeanor that's two years uh, old or less, you still can't be involved. 
And that's just ridiculous. They call with a joint and you're going to be for these two years that are so crucial to the formation of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We really can't have it. We've got to work to fix this. So. People just need to be educated about basically hemp versus marijuana, just the basics, really, because mm-hmm. there's so much stigma against it. And uh, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that, too. There obviously there's a stigma of cannabis. You say the word cannabis. In my perspective, a lot of people automatically think marijuana, stoner, that stigma. So I think education is a huge key point in getting all this to the right side, into the medical side, into the side that actually helps people. And just like yourself, it really enhances your life to be to be enabled to do something, you know? Absolutely. Though I, you know, of course, I also want the purely recreational side to be out there too. I don't know. You know, I think if somebody has no health issues whatsoever that are benefited by cannabis, but they want to smoke a joint after a long day at work, they obviously should be able to. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here on that. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Right. Then you uh, did the as whole. As far as the stigma goes, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. And, and then you get into the whole drug testing debacle where drug tests aren't that accurate and you can't really distinguish between how much THC. However, I do have this one friend who just, he got a new job and he had to take a drug test, but he noticed and he told me that they tested for everything except for THC in the type of work that he's doing, which was quite interesting. I think that was a good step because we don't obviously don't have well and that's the medical field too which the medical field is very mm-hmm. rigid you know as far as teachers and people in the medical field or government employees there's really mm-hmm. you know they can't even take hemp they can't even take cbd products and right right so i thought that was a good step in the direction because we don't really have uh testing that accurately displays how much thc level is in your body or in your in your fat where it's stored uh, I know in, in Nevada, they have, uh, they passed a law where an employer cannot be discriminating against an employee based on the THC content, which I thought was a really good step in that direction. I definitely think so. Yeah, I'm glad we're, we're getting more accurate testing. That's something. And obviously, we need to be, you know, if we're going to be penalizing people for driving while they're stoned or whatever, we need to be able to accurately tell if they actually are stoned or it's just stored in their fat or there are these these other, you know, I I think the stigma has been interesting to see. I feel like CBD, while I don't think that CBD was meant to be a backdoor to cannabis total legalization, I do think it's helping that way. You know, the, the stigma has vanished. There are all these people who would never have considered trying anything associated with this plant. Mm-hmm. And they're open to trying CBD. And that includes like the older generations of people. Mm-hmm. And that's really helping to change the stigma. And we've even seen, you know, when I started at Ministry of Hemp, you know, we feel like a lot of our, obviously a lot of our audience are, are you know, hemp and cannabis enthusiasts, but we also attract a lot of people that are totally new to this. They've just heard about CBD in a news story or from a friend and they want some real information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we try to really keep that audience in mind when we write, you know, and, and, and not scare them off, you know. And so one of the, when I first started with Ministry of Hemp, two years ago, we were concerned about even showing the plant too much because it looks like weed, right? It has that stigma around it. Mm -hmm. Now, two years later, we don't really worry about that anymore, (laughs) you know? So bring it on five leaves, seven leaves, nine leaves. It doesn't matter. Just put it up. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I recently, you know, we reviewed, uh, one of the recent brands of CBD that we reviewed, they label their, 
bottles as like cannabis tincture. So I think there is this real, you know, stigma is, is changing. There are even brands that are using that word now. The hemp flower is out there and people are becoming more familiar with it. Now about that side of things and kind of easing into covering the hemp flower because that does still look so much like the part that's stigmatized. And I think we also don't, we're, we're concerned about, we don't want to advertise products that one of our customers could buy and then get in trouble for having. You know, we don't want one of our customers to, to buy hemp flower from our site because we recommend it and then our readers rather, and then, you know, be walking down the street smoking it and get arrested because the, a, a police officer still thinks it's marijuana. So we're kind of easing into that side of things, but I think the stigma is changing really fast, and that's been really cool to see over the last few years. So more of a, a medical perspective than a stoner perspective, which I'm all Yeah, <laughs> I think that is moving away from that, like, just that total, like, ha-ha, we're blazing it, bro kind of yeah. <laughs> it's fine if you want to do that don't get me wrong it's just there's so much more medicinal benefit that you know even now we're discovering more about it and what systems in your body it really helps the systems and subsystems and the whole equalizing balance of it all it's really quite Absolutely. fascinating that's why that's what i get nerded out about yeah just the whole medical side is just incredibly fascinating it is to me too yeah especially with the Fibromyalgia, you know, the, the the potential links to that endocannabinoid system, the part of our body that we're discovering, mm-hmm. you know, responds to cannabis. It is really fascinating. Like, what are the links between these different conditions like fibromyalgia, migraines, even like irritable bowel syndrome? There's all these sy- syndromes that seem to really be benefited by cannabinoids. And it's fascinating to, to speculate right now and slowly do the research, you know, and hopefully that's opening up. We can really do the research. You know, I've, I've interviewed uh, Dr. Sue Sisley a couple times, who's a great cannabis researcher, and she's one of the people that sounded the alarm about how bad the government weed was. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, what, the stuff that should... they grew? <laughs> the stuff that the government grew. I was so, so funny because, like, in my teens and 20s, there was always this, like, fascination with, like, government weed. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, that, there's that movie, What American Beauty, where they make a big deal about how they're like, we're smoking experimental government weed. <laughs> yes. Like, in reality, it's up, like uh, ditch oh, weed. It's so, so <laughs> gross. If people, if, if people listening haven't heard, like, look it up. It's like, it's like moldy grass clippings was the stuff that they were getting to research oh. with. And, <laughs> No wonder uh, they say this doesn't help at all. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, of it's course more. It doesn't help. It's like buying it at the gas station and doing research with it. Why so. isn't this helping? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you know, I, I think that's a big thing that you're talking about the stigma. You know, at the research level, they're finally starting to be able to do research with the stuff that people would actually be using to help themselves instead of this terrible grass clippings. And I think that is going to open up a lot of understanding about the medical side. I started taking CBD products because I have intense migraines. And ever since taking that, they, they haven't gone away. I'm not preaching that this stuff is a miracle <laughs> thing, <laughs> but they definitely have gone in half. And not even that, the, when I do get migraines, they're half as intense or not as intense. So it does work. It, there is, there's so much hearsay that this stuff absolutely works. I, I deal with uh, an older demographic at my nine to five and, the hemp cream that they put on uh, before when they didn't, they can't walk up the stairs and I see them two weeks later and they can walk up the stairs after just applying it. It's amazing what you see. 
And I'm sure you see that stuff all the time too. Yeah, I, I love seeing that too. It's great. We do get those wonderful, you know, people write to us and say, you know, I tried the CBD and I feel so much better now. Uh, you know, and that's wonderful to see. And we just, you know, try to provide as honest information as we can to people out there and, and, and just kind of teach them about the potential of it. And it's, it is really great. You know, um, uh, it's just a fun experience. You know, obviously it doesn't work for everybody, but when it does, it's great to see people get some benefit from something that's, you know, natural and has relatively few conflicts with other things. Absolutely. So what, what, what products do you take? You said you had fiber night. Fibromyalgia. I can never say that. Fibromyalgia. Oh my gosh. I have a previous episode that I couldn't say it the whole episode and Rachel was making fun of me. Uh, but when, um, what products do you take for your condition? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, obviously with Ministry of Hemp, we get a lot that comes through our, our doors. You know, people are sending us a lot of samples. I, you know, just in general terms, I usually take some kind of capsule every day mm-hmm. um, and then I usually throughout the day supplement with other types of CBD so I start my day by taking some kind of CBD capsule uh, I was taking the Charlotte's web ones for a while those are those are real nice mm-hmm. um, been taking some from Prima recently uh, but then you know kind of during the day I'll supplement as needed um, I'll use a topical a lot okay uh, I don't there's a lot of topicals out there that combine the CBD with like menthol and some of those. And I just personally don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I sort of avoid those. Um, some topicals I've really liked recently. There's one from hemp Lux, like deluxe, but it's hemp Lux. And there's another brand called Lazarus naturals. It has some wonderful topicals that I use a lot. And those are the ones that I take with me, like when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also will use some tinctures and gummies and things like that. Uh, lately I've been taking, the CBD CBDFX high potency tincture. They're like 1500 milligram tincture, which is pretty strong. Um, and that I really like the, it's, it's got a pretty mild flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mind the, you know, the taste of it. And, and I use that one a lot, you know, under my tongue just to kind of give me that boost when I'm really feeling pain or, or loss of focus. Cause my body is distracting me from what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, w- I want to talk about this. But I don't want to, I, I feel like it would be almost another episode. <laughs> but in my research and what I've seen, and even um, Rousseau, Ethan Rousseau, um, I'm sure you've heard of him come across your desk or whatever. But going on the lines of him, there is the extract, you know, that we all hear about. And what these neuroscientists do say is that the more cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids you have, the more of the entourage effect you get. So what I'm trying to wrap my head around and really ask around is when you have something like CBD isolate that does that uh, that's only you know 99.9% isolate, or you have a, a full spectrum, which is a lot of the plant, but basically maybe 60% of the plant or a full spectrum, same thing, just with THC. So my question is, like, with all these extracts out there, wouldn't the whole plant be better in saying what Ethan Rousseau said, or the more of the cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids you have, the more of the entourage effect you can obtain, therefore more homeostasis to your endocannabinoid system. Yeah, they just work together from what we've seen. I mean, I think all of them. Yeah, I think... I think that's true too. I prefer full spectrum products and that's usually our first recommendation to people. We do, you know, partner with some companies that sell isolate products and I've heard from 
you know, readers and friends of mine that have had great experiences with those two. But personally speaking, for me, I, you know, with my fibromyalgia, I feel like the more cannabinoids I'm getting, the better. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a brand called Life Patent that makes uh, one that has very high CBDA, and that's okay. supposed to have some anti-inflammatory, extra anti-inflammatory capabilities. And that's something that I reach for when I, my fibromyalgia is like extra bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often reach for that one. It does not taste very good. <laughs> it does seem to help. Yeah, the um, more natural you get, the more bitter tasting it seems to, <laughs> to have. So more medicinal. Grassy, <laughs> yeah. Almost like almost like lettuce flavor to it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. strong. Yeah. There are some that I think I actually really like. There's a few of them that have this kind of nutty, earthy flavor that I like to mix in with like green tea. Ooh. I think the combination of the right CBD and green tea can be delicious. Yeah, um, we can get into <laughs> some like wine tasting technique phrases or what do you what do you call them babe um that's like the sommelier descriptors yeah Yeah, we could be sommelier about cbd tinctures (laughs) this one's quite nutty with a with a peppery (laughs) aftertaste (laughs) we try to do that with our reviews a bit you know we always describe the flavor and it is sort of like a vocabulary of its own i think i bet that within a, a few years we will have some kind of people with a very set vocabulary when they're talking about this and i guess we already do to some extent people talk about with the terpenes, they classify them as earthy or citrusy. So it's funny to see that kind of language developing. I, I, I genuinely like the flavor of some of them. And then, yeah, there are some, uh, like that CBDA tincture that's just uh, it's more of a medicinal experience. But it, it does seem to help. So I think that the more cannabinoids are in there, the better. And it is worthwhile for people to experiment with that. I, I, one of the things, of course, we always tell people is to check those lab results. I totally. Try to make sure you're... Try to make sure you're getting what, what they're advertising. But even beyond that, you can start comparing and say, okay, this tincture had a lot of the CBDA or it had a lot of the CBG mm-hmm. or, or so on. And, and that seemed to help me. So maybe I should continue using it or seek out things with even higher amounts of whatever that was that I'm wondering if it helped me. So totally. yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the entourage effect. I know that's you know not 100%. Uh, every cannabis scientist backs it up, but it does seem to be kind of the consensus and it been my experience that in general i you know i do occasionally like there's i I just love candy so i'll pop a cbd gummy and it does help me i'm sure a bit Mm -hmm. but you know when i'm i'm really needing that immediate relief or in severe pain or fatigue i i generally always reach for something full spectrum basically if there is a one thing you could say to everybody listening and that will listen in the future cannabis related uh well, I know a lot what we say is do your homework, uh, what you were saying about the lab results. Um, we constantly preach to people, you know, if you see it at a gas station, that might not be the best or first one you want to get. Uh, do your homework as and do your research. Go to the website. Look at their ra- lab results. Even if they have lab results, that should be a good indicator. So that's what we say. What would you say to anybody listening that's just getting started or maybe that has been in it a little bit? Uh, in the CBD cannabis industry or uh, culture, what would you say to really inspire them? Do your research is always good. I think beyond not just the lab results, but uh, hemp is a bioaccumulator, which means that it absorbs heavy metals and pesticides and things more than many other plants do. And so that can actually be great. There's been some research with using hemp to clean up uh, you know, polluted soil, which is cool, but then you don't obviously want to eat that Mm. hemp or put it in your body Mm -hmm. if it's been used and grown in polluted soil so interesting not just like 
Yeah. So, so, so there is some reason to, to, to pay attention, not just to, you know, the cannabinoid content, but also how it was grown. And the more the detailed lab results you can find, the better, uh, what you'll see a lot of times is they'll just show you the CBD content, which is better than nothing, but even better is if they're expanding that to show the pesticides or heavy metals or other residues in there. Um, it's still not an exact science, though. I think that's something to pay attention to, too. You can get the same different results on the same product mm -hmm. from different labs or even sometimes the same lab running things more than once. Yep. So, you know, there can be a little leeway there. We've started doing our own test results of products that we review. Um, and, you know, we try to make sure everything's within five or 10% of what they say it is. And that's a, that's, you know, because it's just not an exact science. That's fantastic. Uh, it seems like you guys are going the extra mile in providing information to the, the masses. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to do. Exactly. And, you know, just as general advice, uh, not say for the newcomers, but just for the industry as a whole, I feel like this industry is kind of growing up and, and I like to see that. And I think we should encourage that. Um, one example I use a lot, and this touches on something we were talking about earlier, is if you remember when hemp was first kind of appearing in the U.S., there was always this newspaper headline was like, it's marijuana's cousin, but you can't smoke it. And <laughs> <I've> <laughs> I know that's not true. I know that's not true. You know, I've got hemp cigarettes sitting on the table right here now, and I'll probably light one up after we're done. You know? <laughs> so it's it, it's obviously not true that you can't smoke it. And that's just one example of kind of the, I don't want to say dishonesty necessarily, but just sort of the story that we told as we are pushing towards legalization yeah. to get past that stigma. But as the stigma peels away, I think that more honesty is better and talking about this plant in, in a direct and truthful way can really help us. Another great example is, you know, with hemp again, it's like there's this story that like it's so easy to grow that you can just throw it on the back 40, not pay attention to it at all, and then harvest it in three months and you're going to have this great hemp crop. Well, that's not true. You know, like we sure you can throw hemp seeds anywhere and they'll probably sprout. But as far as making a, a useful crop, it's still a resource and labor intensive plant, just like almost any other crop. Oh, and, I, I can relate to that 100 percent. I tried growing about 100 and a hundred failed. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we have to not just grow it, but we have to like, it can be a more sustainable plant, but we have to do it the right way. And I yes. think that's kind of the message that I would like to get out there is, you know, let's grow this industry, but let's make sure that we're doing it in a way that's sustainable and equitable for all people. And, you know, that, that is taking advantage of the potential benefits of this plant without making things worse. So that means not, you know, growing hemp and then creating a ton of waste around our growing of hemp. Let's, let's be leaders in the industry, not just in like legalization and pushing for that, but also showing what a sustainable industry can look like. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, Kit. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. I have learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love to do research. I'd really nerd out on it, but you have enlightened a lot of uh, <laughs> just my thinking. And I, so I appreciate you coming on and just talking with us and having a chat. Well, I want to get you on again. We'll have to do that. Well, cool. I would love for people to check out what we're doing at Ministry of Hemp. You can find us at ministryofhemp.com. And we're basically at Ministry of Hemp, all one word on all the social networks. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even Pinterest. Uh, and uh, we'd love you to check that out also. Uh, since I'm on a podcast, our, our host would be very mad if I didn't plug our podcast. So <laughs> check out 
check out the Ministry of Hemp podcast. Uh, it's on all the apps, including Apple Podcasts. I love what our host Matt is doing. It's really fun. I learn a lot of stuff every week by what he discovers. It's kind of like a learning experience where you go along with him learning about hemp. And uh, we've done great shows on all kinds of topics. So definitely have a listen. Go back through the archives and check those out. Totally. That's one thing I can recommend, too, is I have that on my weekly queue of uh, podcasts to listen to. So I would definitely recommend check Ministry of Hemp's podcast out. It's fantastic. Matt Baum does a great job. He does. Thank you. Yeah, I'll let him know. Right on, kid. Yeah, it was fun. I really appreciate it, man. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your weekend. Yeah,